and uh, just want to encourage you two things. I want to encourage you to continue to pray for uh, Sister Janice Guy and their family and her daughter, uh, Brittany, Brandy Pritchard. I'm sorry, Brandy. And, uh, you know, they, they're, they're going through a difficult season right now. And just ask that you continue to pray for that family. Amen. Amen. It's hard to believe that 2019 is almost, it, it has really have. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I realize this is the 24th Christmas uh, season that we've ministered here. So it's been amazing. And, uh, but, uh, you know, often during this time of year, a lot of preparation here, replace the carpet and uh, get all things because they was all excited because of the holiday season and um, I, I don't want to ask how many of you, you know, got rid of your old couch and got a new one. And, but I mean, you know, a lot of times the holiday season often is a busy time and uh, is a time where we spend a lot of preparation, getting our homes ready. It can also be a hectic time. Uh, I know my wife, uh, all her family from Alabama came and celebrated Thanksgiving with us. So she spent much of the week cleaning and cleaning doors and cleaning the rooms and cleaning closets, <laughs> cleaning places. I, I mean, you know, it, and it's just part of the holiday season. And uh, how many of you spend a lot of time cleaning during the holidays? Anybody beside my wife, amen. A lot of you can relate to that. But it, I mean, you know, it, it, it reminds me the reality is I think that's wonderful that we do that, but sometimes we neglect what I call the greatest cleaning and preparation, and that is the preparation of our hearts. You know, the songwriter Isaac Watts wrote one of the most famous Christmas carols. And if I sing, say the first part, you know, he said, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. What's the next verse? Say it again. Let every heart prepare him room. And you know, here's the reality. Though we sing that song so often, during the times of the holidays, we don't, we don't often apply that. And uh, Luke, Luke writing, and he also wrote Luke 2.7, 2, they said that at the birth of Jesus, there was no room for him in the end. And I believe that often speaks of sometimes, if we're not careful, how it could often speak of our lives, that sometimes we can get so busy during this time of the year, filling our lives with, with uh, all the activity and friends and family and football game and all the activity, that sometimes we leave no room for him. And uh, so I want to spend the next four weeks as we prepare for Christmas, I want to spend the next four weeks talking about preparing. And, uh, and I, I, I've just seen in my life that so often... Uh, if we want to experience his presence in our lives, if we want to experience his presence in our homes, we especially if we want to experience his presence in our churches, how many know we got to prepare a room for him? Can I have an amen? How, how many of you want more of his presence? How, how many of you need more of his power? You know, I, I believe that's something that we all need. And uh, I was reading a devotional. Why, why is it so important that we have his presence in our life. Why is it so important that we have his power? Because I believe that we are sometimes the only Jesus that some people will ever see. 
And uh, I was reading a, a devotional this morning, and it was uh, it went on to say when Jesus first came into the world, God used a star to get people's attention uh, in the world. When the Magi came from the east, they said, we have come. I'm going to read Matthew 2. It says, where is the one who has been born of the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. How many know I believe that God wants to use us as the star that the world can look at and say, because we've seen a star, we've come to worship him. And I, want, I believe again that sometimes as Christians, we are the star that God wants to use to get the world's attention and let them know that a Savior has been born. And so let's pray that through over the next four weeks that we will open our hearts and say, God, prepare us, prepare room in our hearts so that, Lord, the world might see a risen Savior. Amen. So I want to read. Luke's account, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through the, it's in the, I'm sorry, in Latin it's called the, the Magnificent, or, but it's really a song that Mary sung as a result of a visitation of God in her life. Uh, just to give you a little backdrop, the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and told her that she was highly favored and that uh, because of it, God had chosen her to conceive her son and she was a virgin and said in fulfillment of the prophecy that she would be she would conceive and have a child and that she was to name him Jesus and he was to save his people from their sins and Mary immediately went to her sister Elizabeth and uh, when she knocked on Elizabeth's door the Bible says and immediately when Elizabeth heard the good news she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she began to say uh, Mary, you know, you are highly favored. And uh, what has caused me to get such an honor that you've come to my home? And uh, I want to just pick up where Mary began to sing her song. Ma Ma Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in the God of my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He, he goes on, she goes on to conclude that, but I, I want to look at this morning. I believe that there's three things that we see in this song of Mary that... that uh, tells us, I call it three attitudes that invite the presence of God. What, what was it in Mary that God chose her to become the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ? I believe that we see three attitudes or three qualities in the life of Mary, and I believe that these are three that we need to emulate if we want to experience his presence 
in our lives. The first one we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 48, it says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from with those who are humble. God is attracted to humility. And all through the Bible, we read the verses that the Bible says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you and I are going to be recipients of the presence of God, we're going to have to learn how to live a life of humility and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And Isaiah, Isaiah 57 says it this way, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those who repentant. I'm sorry, with those with repentance heart. In other words, we see clearly that God dwells with the humble. Jesus started out his Sermon on the Mount or talking about the importance of humility and the importance of humble, of being humble. Listen to what it says in Matthew 5, 3. It says, God blessed those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You know, we often think humble or humility is, is uh, let me say this, we, we sometimes have a false understanding of what humility is. Humility is not walking around feeling poor me, but humility is seeing who we really are before God. It's seeing our great need before God. And that's why a humble person realizes who God is, and because he sees who God is, he realizes how much he needs the Lord. And so I want you to know that I've learned that one of the hardest things for us to do is to admit our need. For help our need for the Lord you know the longer we get the longer we mature in the Lord the, the more often we begin to uh, fail to see our need for the Lord sometime we begin to feel we're more sufficient you know the longer you get saved you feel I can handle this now you know when we first get saved we we, we often come to the Lord broken we often come to the Lord realizing God how desperately we need you but you know the longer we saved, the more we sometimes see our own, we, we trust in our own sufficiency. And I want to say this, that God, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, he gives grace to those who see their need for him. You know that that is true even in the church. You know, I, I've learned we have to be careful that when we begin to no longer uh, humble ourselves and say, God, I have a need. Because when we fail to see our, uh, admit our need, then God can't move. Let, let me give you a practical example in my own life. You know, I shared this story before how that um, in our early marriage, uh, our lives were a mess. My, my, I'll speak for myself. My life was a mess. And my, my, my marriage was a mess. But you know, so often in church, we put on church faces and uh, we, we pretend everything's all right. And we pretend we got it all together. And we pretend that, you know, we're the best things in sliced bread. And, uh, and so I, I, I pretended that. And my wife was crying out. She admitted, she realized that, Neil, you know, we need help. We were, we were constantly fighting, constantly arguing. And she begged me, Neil, I think we need to go get some counsel. 
But my pride would say, you know, I don't need counsel. You need counsel. You go get some help. And I want you to know that the, the more I held on to my pride, the more God resisted the pride. And you know, this is what I've learned from the Lord, that if you won't humble yourself, sometimes God will allow humiliation. And because I didn't want to admit my own need. How I many you know, sometimes we do that. We struggle with things, but we don't want to let people know we haven't struggled. Sometimes it might not even be in your life, but it'd be a child. But we don't want to tell somebody, listen, this going, I, I need prayer. Would you pray for me? Because my child going through. Sometimes it's our finances. We don't want to admit, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling. We don't have enough. And sometimes because we don't want to admit our need, how many you know we tie the hands of God? Because I want you to know, if you don't have a need, you don't need God. And if you got it all together, then God said, I'm going to find somebody who don't have it all together. And if you got everything going for you, and you, you, you know, and sometimes we come to church, and you know, sad to say, sometimes churches can become like that, that we got, we got it all together, we give altar calls, and nobody responds because everybody got it all together. Because everybody's life is perfect. Because everybody's things. They failed to humble themselves and say, God, I have a need. Sad to say, it took my wife calling the police on me. Like I say, if you won't humble yourself, sometimes God will allow humiliation. And I remember clearly when the police came, what, what stuck out to me was I saw the lights of my neighbors. <laughs> Wonder, what is the police doing over there? And I'm telling you, I was humiliated. But, you know, it's sad to say that it took humiliation to bring me to the place where I finally say, baby, let's go. We need help. How I many you know God was, God, I needed help a long time ago. God, God was ready to move long, many, much earlier. But because of my pride, because of not admitting I had a need, God's hands were tied. And I've learned that in the church world, sometimes why we don't experience the presence of God, why we don't see the move of God is because sometimes we do not humble ourselves under the hand of God. It was amazing when I admitted that God, we, our, our marriage is not working, that God, our lives is a mess. It's amazing that when I admitted my need, how God came in and God took our mess and he made our message. And God brought healing to our home and healing to our family because we admitted we had a need. Come on, let's thank God. Isn't he a good God? You know, this is the goodness of God. Listen, but this is where God flows. God moves in the life of the humble. That's why it says in James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Listen, if you want to experience the grace of God, then you're going to have to learn how to humble yourself. Listen, God says, I resist the proud. But I give grace to the humble. James 4, 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at due time he will lift you up. You know, when we look throughout the Bible, we see that when God began to move, God didn't, you know, sometimes when people are self-sufficient, he didn't often use the influential. He didn't often use the mighty. This is what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Brothers, you see who you were when you were called? Not many wise men after the flesh. Sometimes when you think you know it all, God said, I got to find somebody who, who, who realized that they need my wisdom. If you, if you, you know, and there are people sitting here, they already, they got an answer for everything. They know it all. So guess what? God said, I got to jump over and I got to find somebody who realized they ain't, they ain't all that that small they need my help 
And so the Bible says, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty. You know what? God said, listen, if you're all powerful, you think you got it all together, then guess what? I'm going to find somebody who realizes that they need my help. Not many, listen, not many noble. See, God often jumps over people who think they got it all together to find somebody who say, God, I got a need. Anybody here got a need this morning? Anybody willing to say, God, I'm willing to humble myself? Because here's the reality. Let me just tell you, sometimes God will use people. You see, we don't mind telling God our problem. So the problem is we have problems with people. Because it takes humility to admit we have a need. That's why there's James 5, 16 in the Bible. It says, confess your sins one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. Sometimes we don't get healed. Sometimes we don't get help because we don't want to admit we got a need. But God will use people. And I want to tell you that today, if you came here and you have a need in your life, I want you to know grace flows to the humble. Can I have an Amen. Secondly, we see in the life of Mary somebody who was not only humble, but the Bible tells us God's presence is with those who fear him. His mercy, listen, I'm reading Luke 1.50. It says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Listen, the word mercy speaks of his compassion, speaks of forgiveness. More often, that's the same word that's often used for his grace. Say grace. How, how many can use more of the grace of God? Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. I, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful. You know, listen to me. Great that we all need the grace of God. You're not saved because of what you've done. You're saved because of what Jesus has done. And I want you to know, just because you're, you, you may have been saved by grace, but we need his grace continually in our life. It's not a one-time thing. We need his grace ongoing. And I want you to know, it flows to those who fear him. If there was ever one of the, let me say it this way, probably one of the greatest needs in the church world today is a restoration of the fear of the Lord. To fear him. In Romans 3.18 it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. The word, the fear of God means to reverence him. It means to honor him. It means to respect him. It means to recognize God for who he is. It means to listen, when you, when you really recognize God who he is, then how many of you begin to see who you really are? The fear of the Lord, how many of the Bible tells you the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is, is you know, will cause you to, to flee from sin. The Bible says that in Proverbs 16, 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Y'all want to know why? I've been faithful to my wife. We've been married 36 years. I've only been with one woman, and that's since I've been married. That's been my wife. Y'all want to know why? Not because I'm so holy, not because I'm so righteous, not because so, I'm good. Y'all want to know why? I fear the Lord. I fear God. I fear God. I, you know what, because I'm telling you, let me, let me just tell you what a healthy fear of God is. I had a, you know, the Bible talks about God is a father, a heavenly father. And you know, as a, my, I had a father, I was grateful, my father, uh, for the first, my father died when I was 19, but for the 19 years I had a father, and I'm grateful for, and I love my father, but I also, because I know my father. 
I had a healthy respect and honor because I know that my same father who provided for me, who loved me, who prayed for my tuition, who bought, prayed, who provided for me to live in, was the same father who also corrected me. Who's the same father who said that if you do something that I told you didn't do, that's coming a correction. So I had a healthy respect for my father. Because I knew that was consequence. I remember one time when, when uh, my dad told us, listen, I had a, a relative who had a swimming pool. But they, but they did drugs and they, 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 their lives was a mess. And my dad did not want us around that environment. And he said, listen, uh, I don't want you to go over there. And I want you to know that I had a brother who said, listen, my dad was at work and my mama was out of town. And he said, listen, guess what? The person was babysitting. Said, they said we can go swimming. Now, you know, we wanted swimming so bad because we already knew my daddy said, I don't want you over there. But, you know, we all went swimming. <laughs> all five of us. My mom had five. All five of us. And guess what happened? When we just when we was getting out of the pool and walking home, who pulls up in his truck? That's my daddy. Now, let me just tell you, he didn't say a word. He just looked. And that's all that needed happened. Because we know that we was not only going to know the goodness of my dad, but we were going to know the terror. <laughs> and when we walked in that house, by God, we was all still wet. <laughs> you ever got whipped when you're wet? Oh, my goodness. We walked in, and he said, we all just walked in, and, and he just stood there. Didn't I tell y'all I didn't want y'all up there? <laughs> That's all he said. And he'd whip us, the oldest one first. I was the fourth child. I'm telling you, by the time he got to us, we were so terrified. He'd take my oldest brother. <laughs> I want to tell y'all something about my youngest brother. That he rarely got any whipping because by the time he got to the fifth one, he was so scared. He was hollering so much, my daddy felt sorry for him. <laughs> But hear me, we have lost, we have lost the fear of God. He's our heavenly father. He loves us. He provides for us. He cares for us. He is a perfect father. He's a good daddy. But I want you to know we have lost understanding. He also corrects us. And there is consequences to sin. And the three is that be not deceived. God is not mine. That what you sow, you're going to reap. And I want you to know, we don't like to talk about that in our churches. We don't like to talk about But I want you to know, the presence of God flows where there's a fear of the Lord. And I believe that one of the things that has happened in the church today is that we have lost the fear of God. We have a careless attitude towards sin. People no longer have shame about their sin anymore. And I want you to, they don't care. You know, they, they live into it. I run into all the time. I believe that one of the reasons why the world sometimes don't see the presence of God is because sometimes we have lost the reverence and the fear of the Lord. Because if, if we don't fear God, why should they fear him? Why they, should they have a respect for the Lord? If we live any kind of messed up, shack, you know, any kind of lie, why should the world fear, fear God? But I want you to know that we have lost the fear of the Lord. And, and I believe that if we want to see 
once again the move of God, I want you to know the Bible says that we to serve him with fear and trembling. Read it, Psalms 2.11. God wants us to learn to respect him, to honor him, to reverence him. You know, it, it, this is what sometimes, I'm just telling you what grieves me sometimes. Pat. Last Sunday night, we said we were going to give away 1,000 turkeys to our community and feed 2,000 people. From my estimation, I was told that at 3 o'clock, there were people lined up. By the time I got there at little after 5, there were, th there were probably over 1,000 people there. Isn't it amazing for food, for turkey? But yet, isn't it amazing when it comes to the Lord? At Sometimes church starts at 10 o'clock. And I believe that sometimes we might have 10%. It gets real quiet. Why? Because we've lost the honor. We've lost the respect. We've lost the grand reverence for God. Isn't it amazing how we begin to take God for granted? We become so, let me just tell you, one of the greatest threats is familiarity. See, when you become so familiar, you lose the respect for the Lord. And I believe that much of the church today has lost the respect for the Lord. Listen what Jesus said. I'm going to read his word. Jesus writing in Luke chapter 12, verses 5, he said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you who you should fear. Listen what Jesus said. You want to know who to fear? Listen what Jesus said. Fear him who after killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The problem is we're more worried about what people think of us than what God thinks of us. And the fear of the Lord is when we're more conscious of what people think than what God thinks. And when we've lost the fear of the Lord, I'm more concerned about what people think of me. But that don't matter what people think. What really matters is what God thinks of you. What really matters what God thinks of your life. What really matters what God thinks of what you're doing. What really matters is what God sees. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place. It's what he sees. It's what he thinks that matters. And isn't it sad that sometimes we're so concerned about people, what people are thinking about us, rather than what God is thinking about us. That's why we have a, a, a society that, listen, we, we don't mind. We can get away as long as we don't get caught. But even if you don't get, even if you can get away and you don't get caught, God sees. I say God sees. And you know, the fear of the Lord recognizes that I know that there's always going to be, because he's a loving God, because he's a good father, there's consequences. I know that, listen, just like I had guidelines and I told my children growing up, listen, Daddy love you. I'll give you anything. I'll, I'll lay down. I'll die for you. But I also had rules and guidelines that here, listen, this is, there's certain things that I will not allow in my house. And if you do them, there will be consequences. I want you to know I'm an imperfect father, but we have a perfect God. Come on, somebody say amen. I want you to know he's altogether holy. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether mighty. He deserves all the praise. He deserves all the honor. And one day, we will give an account of our lives to him. And so I want you to know that if we want to experience his presence, we must once again learn to have a respect 
and a fear of the Lord. A fe- the Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. I want you to know that. Let me just tell you also there's a blessing comes when you learn to live with the fear of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 22.4, by humility and the fear of the Lord, God brings wealth, honor, and life. I want you to know God put a blessing when you learn how to respect him. Oh, I tell you, when you learn how to reverence him, when you learn how to honor him, when you learn how to live in the conscious fear of the Lord, God says, I'll bless your life. Can I have an amen? And one of the reasons why Mary experienced God's blessing was not only because she humbled herself, but also because she lived in the fear of the Lord. And lastly, as I close, how many of you want more of his presence? I say, how many really want more of his presence? Because I want you to know, God will flow to the humble. God will, God, if you don't honor God, God's going to find somewhere where they honor. Because God will find the fear of the Lord in some of the most unusual places. Sometimes God has to go in the ballroom to find the fear of the Lord because sometimes he don't find it in the church. You know, I, I was, I need to tell this testimony I preached in, uh, uh, at the prevailing church last Sunday, and there was this young man. Uh, he, I could see, had recently been saved and come out of the world. And I asked him to share with me his testimony. And uh, here is a young man. You know, you, you could tell. You know how you know folks. They still kind of have. They still raw. You know, they, they still got little. You could. They still smell like the world a little bit. You know, and and uh, he was telling his testimony. He said, "You know, I told the pastor. He said, listen." I don't play with God. He said, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, the, he invited me to church. He said, listen, I've been around church people. I see what they do. He said, listen, I don't, I don't play with, I don't play with God. He said, if you want me to come, you got to be, you got to be all the way right. You got to be, you got to be real. And he said, you know, I started coming to this church. And he said, I see that this pastor, he, 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 he do what is right. He, he lives with his wife. He's not running women in the church. He said, that's somebody I can respect. And he got saved and he gave his heart. And now he's one of the leaders in the church. Come on, let's thank God for You see, because of the fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord. The world is looking for people who still have a fear of the Lord. And lastly, as I close, God satisfies the hungry. Anybody hungry in here? Listen to what Luke 1, 53 says. He fills the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. I want to ask you a question. Are you hungry for the presence of God? It got real quiet. Are you hungry for the presence of God? Listen. Yesterday, we, one of our members, we had pr- early morning prayer. I can tell most of the mem- we, we had this, one of the smallest turnout for corporate prayer uh, this past Sunday. Most people were still full from the weekend. And uh, one of my members, he don't mind me sharing, he said, Pastor, he said, I'm so, fu- I'm so full of turkey. He said, I got turkey all the way up to you. <laughs> he said, I don't care if I eat another piece of turkey. <laughs> And he shared the fact that, you know what, we have so much. 
And the reality is, is that, you know what, listen, thank God, let me just, don't, I don't want you to feel good, because when I go home, I'm going to eat some more turkey, <laughs> and some dressing, and some peas, and some, all the other good stuff. God is not, but here's the reality, sometimes we have allowed ourselves to get so full of the wrong things, that we no longer hunger for the things of God. Jesus said in Luke 16, Luke 6, 21, blessed are you who hunger. The Amplified says, seek with eager desires now. Blessed are you who hunger now, listen, for you will be satisfied. But woe to you who are well fed. That means completely filled, gorged and satisfied. You know, we can sometimes gorge ourselves with the things of the world that we have no hunger for God. Let, let me give you an analogy. You know, I, I have four grandchildren, five on the way probably next month, this month maybe. <laughs> and you know, sometimes because members of the church, y'all love them and y'all do, y'all give them candy. <laughs> Slim, you're guilty, huh? And my, my grandkids come home and they, they've been eating so much candy. And when it's time to eat the real food, I'm, I, Papa, I'm full. They, they have no desire. Sometimes it ain't just some of you, some of the aunts and uncles that give them all that junk food, donuts. But sometimes because they've eaten junk food, they have no appetite for what is really going to satisfy them. Do you know that there's a verse in the Bible that says that exact thing? I want to read Isaiah chapter 55. Listen to what it says. All of you who are thirsty, come to the water. All you penniless, come anyway. Buy and eat. Come buy your drinks. Buy wine and milk. Without money, everything is free. Say it's free. Me and Mark have a saying, there's an anointing on free, huh, Mark? <laughs> <You only, laughs> there's an anointing on free. Amen. Listen. Come and buy free. Listen to what the next verse says. Why do you spend your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy. Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the fine. Listen, in the King James, it says, why do you buy things that don't satisfy? We can fill ourselves with things that don't satisfy. Listen carefully. It says that between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, Americans will spend $87 billion dollars. Did y'all do that? That's more than many third world countries, their whole, G, whole gross national uh, product, their whole income. We will spend just from, from, from Thanksgiving, because now it's on Thanksgiving. Some of y'all not go shopping on Thanksgiving. <laughs> from Thanksgiving to Monday, some folks getting uncomfortable. From Thanksgiving to Monday, Americans will spend $87 billion. Now listen to me. I'm not against you going to shopping on Black Friday, getting a good deal. God is not against that. Here's the reality. 
we have become such a consumerism, materialistic society. We spend billions of dollars on amusements, entertainment, pleasures, things. Listen to me. They might fill up your time, but they don't satisfy. They might wear your, out your energy, but they don't satisfy. There's only one thing. There's a God-sized void in every one of us. And no pleasure, no new toy, no trinket, no person, no one can fill except God. He placed it there. And only he can fill us and only he can satisfy. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are labor, all you who are burdened, and you're going to find rest. He said, come to me. In, in Isaiah 55, he said, those of you that are hungry, come to me, and I'm going to give you water, and I'm going to give you food. You don't have to have no money. How many know the good news is that if you come to Jesus, it's free. Come on, thank God for that. It's free. It's free, but it's only found in his presence. And if you and I are going to experience his presence, if you and I going to experience his presence this holiday, then I say, number one, we're going to have to humble ourselves under his hand. We're going to have to admit our need for him. I don't know about you. I realize I got a need. I, got, I need God. We need more of his power. We need more of his presence. We need more of his anointing. Secondly, we're going to have to live in the fear of the Lord. I want you to know that. Listen to me. I'm telling you, if you hear, if you hear about this pastor that left his wife, you know one thing. He didn't lost the fear of God. Broke my heart yesterday. I was, there was a pastor in this community that, that had to be sat down and kicked out of his church. And I was with one of his members. And I said, well, what happened? I knew this pastor. Man, what well, he had an affair with someone in the church. He lost the fear of God. I don't care how good you look, I fear God too much. I'm letting y'all know I fear God. The fear of God is good. I said the fear of God is good. It'll keep you married. It'll keep you living right. Come on, it'll keep you walking right. How many know we need the fear of God? We need the fear of God. We need the fear of the Lord. And if we're going to experience his presence, we need more of the fear of the Lord. And lastly, we need to hunger because God satisfied the hungry. We need to stop filling our lives with junk food. And we need to say, God, I want the bread that's satisfied. Jesus told the people in John 6, he said they were lined up just like we gave out turkeys and they was lined up. The next day because Jesus gave out so many turkeys, they, they was lined up next week. Some people may have came this morning because they thought we was getting more turkeys. <laughs> and Jesus said, he said, listen, why do you hunger for bread that won't satisfy? He said, you need to hunger for the living bread. Thank God for turkey. Listen, God is concerned about your material and your practical need. But there's a God-sized void in all of us that only he can fill. I want to close. And I'm going to spend the next four weeks, and we're going to minister on preparing for his presence. How many of you want more of his presence? 
I, I was meditating on this song. This song said, there's nothing like the presence of God. There's nothing. When we seek his face, he fills this place because there's nothing like the presence of God. The only, the, what the world need is more of his presence. What, what, our, what our community need is more of his presence. I want to know the presence of God will fix every situation. Because when God shows up, I want you to know he fixed everything. He fixed that which is broken. He healed that which is hurt. He opened the blind eyes of that which is blind. Only the presence of God can do that. How many you know we need more of his presence? If you're here this morning and you said, Pastor, that's me. I want more of his presence. That, that word was for me. If, if that word was for you and you want to acknowledge my, and say, God, I have a need. Some of you came here today and you, you know that you've tried everything and you realize that, God, I have a need. I want you to know today God wants to fill that need in your life. If you humble yourself, he'll fill the need. He, that's the good God we serve, that he's satisfied. He said, he said, if you humble yourself, he'll lift you up. If you admit you're broken, he'll fix you. If it, you admit, I don't have the answer, God will give you the wisdom and he'll give you the answer. But if you're all right, then you just, you know, you just keep going about your business and you, you, you know, you don't, you don't need God because you got it all together. But I don't know about you. I don't have it all together. My life, I need God. I need more of his presence. I need his wisdom. I need his anointing. I need his grace. I can't do it. You know, the only reason I'm still married to my wife is because of the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. Because I acknowledge God, I need your help to love this woman. Anybody need God help? You don't stay 36, you don't stay married 36 years without God's help. Isn't that right? Can I have an, have an amen? I need his help. Anybody beside me need the help of God? And so if you're here today, as I close and you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I want more of his presence. And, and, and during this holiday season for the next four weeks, I want to prepare for his presence. You may have spent all kind of energy getting your house ready for guests who came by. But I want you to know, if you didn't take time to prepare for the greatest guest, you miss the greatest blessing because we got to prepare room for him. If you're here, and I just want to close, if this word was for you, and it's, if, just, if you're saying it's for you, just stand on your feet. I want to pray. If that's for you, I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to do something because I, I, 